Welcome to the Love Lab Podcast, a safe place to get real about sex. Whether you're a man, woman, single, or couple, this is the show for you. We are your hosts, Kevin Anthony and Celine Remy, and we are here to guide you to go from good to amazing in the bedroom and beyond. All right, welcome back to the Love Lab Podcast. This is episode 196, and it's titled Sex After Children. So this comes to us actually from one of our subscribers on YouTube who was asking about what do you do after you've given birth and you have a young child and you have no sex drive yet your partner still wants to have sex. So we've never done a, a show specifically on that. Um, and so we're going to do one today. And it's not going to be just on that. It's going to be basically sex after you have children, no matter what. So like there's your sex life before you have children, and then there's your sex life after you have children. And they're, they're often not the same. Now, you know, some couples can pull it off and it doesn't change much, but for most people, it really does change. So we're going to cover what it's like when the children are really young, what it's like when the children are a little bit older, some strategies to help you, help you postpartum, help you when the kids are older. And I, I do want to say too, Yes, we do not have our own children, but we have worked with a lot of clients who do have children. So we have firsthand experience in helping people through this. Also, as we've talked about on the show, we both were step parents in the past to young children. So we do know what it's like trying to have sex with young children in the house. <laughs> <laughs> so one thing to realize is that everything changes after baby. And that includes sex. And a lot of people don't think about that uh, previously. But I also want to say that if you have a good foundation, whatever life throws at you, whether it's a major stress, because having a kid is a major stress, whether it's an illness, whether it's anything like this, if you have a good solid foundation put in place, you will be able to withstand it. Now, if your relationship was not strong to begin with and you already had issues prior, they will only get magnified. So it's important to do the work prior it's always better than trying to repair something or trying to fix something if it was already kind of broken or not working well prior. And I also want to mention that for some, it can really strengthen the relationship and it forces you to prioritize what is important and also in redefining what intimacy really means. And we will dive into all of this, and I'm excited to talk about that. But before we get started, let's give a big shout out to our sponsors, Power and Mastery. So if you want to join the club of, of men who are great in bed, then check out Power and Mastery at powerandmastery.com. It is the most complete sexual mastery training for men, whether you want to have harder erections, last long or increase your sexual skills, there is something for you at powerandmastery.com. So make sure you go check it out. Okay, so we thought we would start this out by just throwing out some stats that we found kind of interesting about like what's average for a normal couple, <laughs> right? Because there's a lot of people out there that are, are thinking that, you know, whatever they're doing is... is weird or different or not enough or this or that, right? So let's just start with a few 
stats about the average married couple and how much time they spend having sex. <laughs> well, and, and, and this is funny, you're calling them stats, but really it's just like math and looking at what happens. Because the average married couple spends 0.625% of their time having sex. I repeat, 0.625% of their time having sex. Maybe 0.8% if you're really, really lucky, one of those couples who's listening to the Love Lab and has put things <laughs> into place. Now, what the heck do we do with the rest of our time, right? If it's only, let's say, 0.8%, what the heck? So let's say you watch TV for an hour. That's about 4% of your life staring at a, a screen. And that does not include... Your, your like phone social media, usage. phone usage yeah. and all that, because nowadays like the numbers are so much higher. Um, if you do two hours of TV a day, that's 8% of your life. Wow. 8% with two hours a day versus 0.8% of sex, TV, sex, you know, I'm just saying, you know, <laughs> now, well, everybody has their priorities. But if you exercise for 40 minutes, three times a week only, that's about 1.1% of your life on fitness. Okay, cool. If you talk for 10 minutes a day about your relationship, you know, about an hour a week, that would uh, accumulate to about 1%, a little less of 1% of your time communicating about your marriage, your relationship. That's probably about an hour a week more than most people. <laughs> <laughs> now, if you sleep eight hours a day, that's 33% of your time. Well, if you had children, you know that you're not sleeping that much. <laughs> <laughs> if you work 40 to 50 hours per week, that's 22 to 28% of each month. So that's a bit crazy, right? As you can see, we spend and dedicate so much time doing other things. Not all of these things are... Um, important or matter some are some not and yet you know sex is less than a percent is like 0.8 percent and yet it's such a huge part of a relationship and at the same point it's such a small part of it when you break it down yeah so there's a couple of interesting things that we get out of reading those stats you know one is that technically yes you spend a relatively short amount of time actually having sex and yet it has huge importance in the health and satisfaction of your relationship. The other thing that it shows is that one of the things you'll often hear people say, and we will talk way more about this as we go through the show, but one of the things that you hear people who have children say all the time is that they don't have time. They don't have time. They're too busy with life to make time for it. And so when you, when you see things that like, you know, watching one hour of TV a day is 4% of your life, like, Okay, so out of 4% of your life and you realize the average married couple only spends 0.625% of their time having sex, like you could carve 1% off that and have time for sex. Like that's kind of the point, right? You can always find time for sex if you make it a priority and you really want to do it. So having said that, let's talk about... We're going to start with immediately after childbirth because that's a very different situation than when your kids are older. <clears throat> the um, viewer on YouTube who was specifically uh, reaching out to us, was that was their issue. It was like, I think it was an eight-month-old or so. Um, and they were like, I have zero desire for sex and my husband still wants sex, right? So let's talk about what happens when you have children. Well, number one, I want to say that it's normal that you may not want to have sex as a woman. You have 
been cooking this little baby for nine months and then you have something attached to you for all all day long and demanding your attention and demanding something from you being on your boobs puking on you uh just it's it's a never-ending demanding job yeah so and so first point it is 100 normal <laughs> and and i'm gonna i'm gonna read some quotes from people so that you really get what we mean when we say normal. We don't just mean it's normal because most people go through it. We mean it's normal because nature does this intentionally to you. But we'll get to that in a minute. The first thing is, is it's normal. The second thing is, is that there are real reasons for it. So there's all of that stuff, you know, but there's like scientific reasons why you do not want to have sex. So you've got breastfeeding, you've got physical recovery, you've got postpartum uh, fatigue. These are all things uh, that can contribute. And so, you know, they did one study that found that women reported lower levels of sexual satisfaction for up to a year and a half after giving birth. So, so our viewer who is at eight months, trust me, you are still right in the zone of when, where this is totally 100% normal. Uh, in the first six months postpartum, women were about twice as likely to report having sexual dysfunction than they were prior to giving birth. So, you know, y- you, you realize that there's stuff happening here. Like your body just went through this major physical change. And then, and then on top of that, there's also an evolutionary reason for it. It's basically her body's natural way of ensuring that she takes the time to properly heal and focus on caring for the baby instead of trying to have another one, says Vanessa Marin, a psychotherapist and writer specializing in sex therapy. So you realize that you've got all the stuff that's happening with your body, um, and we haven't even gotten to uh, some of the other things, but, but you've got all this stuff happening, and then you've got Nature also coming in and saying, whoa, 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 no, 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 you know, you got to focus on the one you just popped out. (laughs) So when you look at things, you know, people say, oh, six weeks um, and you should be fine. You know, that's an average. For a lot of women, it's way too short. But do you know what they mean when they say six weeks? This is what they mean. Your tearing has healed. The bleeding has stopped. Right? Like basically, they're just saying you're physically healed enough that your vagina could work. That's all they're telling you when they say within six weeks, resume normal, whatever. <laughs> they are completely ignoring all of the other stuff that's going on. Yeah. So I think it's unrealistic expectations to be like, oh, that's the six weeks, everything should be working this way, you know, because you have to listen to your body, your body, how you gave birth, you know, did you have a C-section? By the way, having a C-section does not make it easier on you to uh, have sex later. So there's a misconception, you know, some people are like, oh, I'll just do that. So uh, I don't have any issues with my vagina. I won't tear, I won't stretch it, you know, there's these ideas. But anytime you have a surgery, there's a potential for creating scar tissue. Scar tissue can create pain, can create adherence, and can make it difficult to just have the same sensations. So things will change. By the way, you should probably mention to the audience that you actually have experience working uh, with a doula, right? So you, you you were helping deliver babies, you were helping women postpartum, like you have direct 
job experience doing this with women. So you've witnessed this stuff personally. Absolutely. Um, and if you've ever witnessed a birth, you know how much work it is. And then the, the miracle of the body, like stretching and, and getting this, this little being out. And you've got to give it the time to get back into it's new per se normal. And you can't expect your body to be the same. There's, there was so much that happened that also expecting that you will have the same amount of desire or the same sensations, things can shift. I believe that one of the reasons it's so difficult on some women is because they're like, well, this is how I used to be. And I'm really trying to fit into what I used to be, even though it's no longer what feels right for me at this time in my life. Yeah. And you know, that's a tough thing for guys too, because see, we're not going through all those changes, right? We're, we're basically still the same person that we were prior to the birth and so a lot of guys figure like she should be too like what the hell why is everything suddenly different so so for the men listening you just have to understand what what she just went through and you're on two different and, hormonal wavelengths oh, we're going to talk point. about the hormones <laughs> we're going to talk about the hormones in a minute but yes yes you are on two different hormone wavelengths and she's no longer the same pre-baby person she's just not and she's never going to be right mm -hmm. and that's a, that's a thing that a lot of guys don't get you know like you know, the guys that really, really want to have kids and are like, yeah, 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 yeah. I've always wanted to have kids. Like they're, they're okay with the fact that that changes usually because they just, you know, having family and kids was all they ever wanted. But there's a lot of guys who go into it sort of like half-hearted, like, yeah, right. She wants kids. Okay. You know, and they are really not expecting the fact that she is radically going to change who she is and how she operates in the world. So that's just something that you should be aware of. Let's talk a little bit more specifically about the contributing factors to low sex drive for women after they give birth. Because we've talked about some of them a little bit, but I, I just want to give them like in a really clear, concise, concrete Well, way. number one, you're exhausted. So sleep deprivation is a form of torture. <laughs> and that's, there's a it reason you, you do not function properly. And I think the older you are, the harder it is to recoup. I mean, when you're in your 20s and you go through sleepless night or a few months of, of very little sleeping, it's much easier than when you're in your 40s. And a lot of people forget that. And a lot of people are having children much later in life. Remember, in your 20s, you could go out partying, drinking, stay up mm -hmm. all night long, get super drunk, wake up the next morning, go to work and still function. <laughs> Try that when you're post 40. <laughs> it just doesn't work the same, right? It's the same thing with the kids. You know, you just don't have as much energy to do that sort of stuff. So number one is, yeah, you're freaking exhausted. You just yes. are. Both of you are, but especially <laughs> her most likely. Absolutely. Number two, and we started talking about it earlier, is that her hormones are just all over the place. So there are major, major hormonal shifts that happen, in, especially in the postpartum. There were certain hormones that needed to be in place in order to go through the pregnancy. Once the baby is out, then the hormones drop. That's usually what people consider the postpartum blues or like that like phase. It's all hormonally driven. And then if she's breastfeeding... This is also going to affect her hormones and 
the estrogen production will decrease, which can make it more uh, her vagina to be more dry. This is something that um, a lot of people talk about when they are being honest, that maybe, you know, there's a little bit of fear first to the first time that they have intercourse again after having given um, birth. And then they sometimes they're like, wow, it, she was turned on, but her vagina wasn't responding. And, and they get really freaked out. But it's just the body. So that's when we say use some lube, do more foreplay, you know, we'll come back into some of that. But if you understand that there's nothing wrong with you, it's simply your body has such a major task to do that it's responding the proper way. Yeah, I I love how, you know, we've said it a couple of times already through the show, but the fact that there's nothing wrong with you and the fact that it's normal, because one of the things that we hear from clients a lot is, I don't understand what's wrong with me. Mm -hmm. I don't understand why I just don't want it anymore. Well, we're, we're explaining it. We're telling you all the reasons why. There's nothing wrong with you. Okay, so hormones. Next one is physical setbacks. So your body is literally healing from labor and delivery. So you might have had perineal tearing. You might be recovering from a C-section. Uh, intercourse may be painful for a period of time. Um, there's a whole lot going on there that could possibly be physically affecting you. And look, If you're a guy and you haven't figured out yet that a woman's desire for sex has a lot to do with how she's feeling physically, well, then you're a moron, but (laughs) (laughs) right? If she doesn't feel good physically, if she's too tired, if she literally has a headache, not the old fake, I have a headache because I'm not attracted to you and you're an ass and I don't want to have sex with you, but like a real headache, (laughs) you know, if she's cramping because she's bleeding, like whatever it is, if she's not feeling physically good... She's not really going to be in the mood for sex. And there's also if she's not liking her body anymore because uh, that's a good point her too. breasts are different, maybe her belly is more saggy, like she might not have lost all of the weight and there's all of that pressure and it does, you know, if we don't love ourselves and our body, it can show up there and it can get in the way for sure. So it's not even just on that physical of what happened, but it's also our perception of ourselves. Yeah. And you know, that that's a, it's a perfect time to to put that in there because I would kind of put that into the next category, which is emotional setbacks, mm-hmm. right? So the, the postpartum depression that everybody talks about, which could be lots of things. It could be, oh, I'm not attractive anymore. Oh, I'm not this. Or, oh, I don't look good. Or, oh, he's not going to like this. Or any of the stuff that happens with that. And remember, our emotions are largely driven by our hormones, yes. right? So don't attach to the feeling itself and realize that these major hormonal shifts that are happening in your body are affecting your emotions as well. But that still, it still means they're real, right? Like they're they're real. They're how you're feeling in that moment, even though it may be hormonally driven, um, it's still something that's real for you in that moment. So one, as the person experiencing it, you have to acknowledge that, that this is something real that's happening and that you need to address it. And for the person on the other side, you have to be, take a step back and go, oh, okay, she's, there's like really something happening here that I need to be uh, compassionate about. You know? And I love that you brought the word compassionate. That's literally what was coming in my mind. You have to be so much more compassionate towards yourself, your partner, this whole through this whole experience, like you are both stretched to your limit. And, you know, sometimes it's hard to show up on your best behavior when you're pushed and you're like at your limit. But if you can 
do your best, no matter what it looks like, you're doing your best. That's really all that matters. I wanted to mention something too about nature and how it works, because in nature, mother animals rarely mate when they are busy, like tending to their young. And we sometimes forget that in this culture of like superwoman, it's like, you know, uh, when we're bleeding, we shove a tampon and like, we don't want to see any blood, nothing's happening. We like pretend that we're superwoman, we can do everything the same. Then we're pregnant, we should just be able to be a fitness queen up until the day before labor. And then we give birth and then hop, six weeks and we're right back into who we were. Like these are like silly ideas. This is not how our bodies always operate. There, there are exceptions to everything. Everyone right now is going, oh, well, I know somebody who did that. Of yeah, but, but there. But they're the exception to the rule, right? So before you push back and say, well, of course I can have it all and do it all. and blah, blah. Some people can, but there are very, very few. So what you're talking about is the very last thing on our list, which is basically you're nervous about getting pregnant again, right? So you're talking about the evolutionary uh, uh, thing that happens where, you know, basically we have evolved to... Uh, the point of our bodies knowing that uh, it's not a good idea to get pregnant again that quickly. So therefore, there's this there's this thing sort of inside of you as a woman that's telling you, I uh, really shouldn't do this sex thing because <laughs> this is not a good time to get pregnant again. So, you know, if there was, say, a lack of knowledge or a lack of birth control, uh, maybe that would be a good idea to follow that. But in this case, realize that some of what you're feeling there is just nature's way of making sure you don't get pregnant again, but you don't really need to do that. There's plenty of things that you can do to make sure that you don't get pregnant again. Just make sure that you do them. That's not the focus of this particular <laughs> episode, but you know, just know that you, know, you can avoid getting pregnant again if you really want to. So we're going to get into the tips on having more sex after childbirth. Um, and before that, uh, um, if you like what you're hearing, if you want to support our show, uh, Kevin and I have put together handpicked affiliates, uh, products, and, and things that we believe in that I think work uh, to help support your health, sex life, and relationships. So if you purchase any of the products from us and our affiliates, it helps to support the work that we do and ensures that we continue to help as many people and couples as possible. So to check out all of our recommended product, go to celineremy.com forward slash products or follow the link in the description below. Yeah, and we've got, we've got some really great stuff in there. We've got everything from biohacking devices to, you know, quality supplements, not cheap crap that a lot of people <laughs> sell, but like quality stuff that will help get your physical body in shape, help balance your hormones, help make you hornier. We've got sex toys. We've got all kinds of stuff in their courses. I mean, yeah, there's a, there, there's a lot there to really help your sex life and your physical body in general. So check that out. So let's talk about that. Uh, what to do? How do you have sex? Like, well, number one, there's going to be a time and a point where you have to get it over with. And it's, it's always going to be a little bit scary where you're like, you haven't done something for a while. And, you know, sometimes you, you think about it in your head and you can make things worse than they are, you know, like, you know, there's going to be a time where you're going to have to take the plunge, but there shouldn't be any expectations about what it should be like or look like. Um, and, 
And start simple. Exactly. Right? You don't have to dive right back into whatever crazy shit you were up to before you got pregnant. <laughs> but there is a point that is essential, and that's for all of our male listeners right now. It's essential that you manage your own frustration because you are not going through these uh, body changes and you're most likely going to want sex sooner than she does. And you cannot show up and pressure her, even if she's, if, especially if she's not ready. Cause you might be like, Hey honey, it's been six weeks. Doctor said, okay. But if she's like, my not, my body doesn't feel healed. I'm not ready. Or I need something different. Like you need to be able to manage your own frustration and cannot put that on her. She already has so much to deal with. Yeah. You know, word of caution too. Cause what a lot of guys do in that situation is they literally turn to porn mm. And, you know, like, there's nothing necessarily wrong with porn, but what you don't want to happen is, all right, now there's like, you know, six months, eight months, a year of her not really wanting it yet, so you're masturbating to porn regularly, and then when she's finally ready again, you're looking over at her, and you're not really all that attracted to her because you're used to this overly stimulating porn stuff. Just be careful with that. Like, if that's your outlet, just be careful with how you use it. Well, let's start with the basic. You know, you start with intimate touching and foreplay. It doesn't always need to go to uh, penetration. And, you know, having a lack of intimacy is not just about a lack of sex. It's more than that. So you've got to find moments to connect with your partner emotionally and sexually, but it doesn't always have to be a certain way. Yeah, think about it. If you hadn't worked out in a really long time, would you just go into the gym and immediately start throwing huge heavy weights around? No, you'd, you'd start easy. You'd start with some light weights, you know, only a few exercises, and you'd gradually build up, right? So think of it the same way here. It's like if it's been six months since you've had sex because of, you know, having a baby, start small. Start just little bits. Start with connecting, start with touching, start reestablishing that intimacy. All of those things will build up. Too many guys just, uh, all right, finally, we can have sex again. Rip off your clothes. Let's go. You know, have some lube on handy, you know, just in case, just have the lube ready so that it makes things much easier uh, rather than trying to insert yourself and halfway and seeing her face, like it's hurting and, and, and then having to pull out. So, um, take care of yourself. You know, pleasure yourself. It might be a time where maybe she's not able to do things with you and for you, but you still got your hands. You still got your own body. Yeah, well, not only that. So there's, there's, there's yeah, you, as a guy, you can pleasure yourself. But this is also specifically aimed at the women because women can feel really out of touch with their body and not feeling very sexual, not knowing how their body's going to react if they have sex. So self-pleasure for the woman can be a way for her to start to reconnect sexually with her own body so that when she comes into connection with her partner, she'll already have stimulated that. She'll already feel like, oh yeah, I've done this before. I've touched myself. I've used the dildo or the vibrator and it was okay. It didn't hurt. I know which way I like to be touched. I know how I want it. I know the depth, the pressure, all that kind of stuff. But this could be the, literally the first time like you both masturbate next to each other. And, and that forces you to communicate. You know, this is 
what you'll need is that communication piece, which is our next point. Yes. Is communication with your partner. It is key and things will feel different. You will feel different. You'll be in different mood and you got to be able to talk openly. It's okay if things don't work the same, you know, it might be okay that, okay, the breasts are taboo right now because that's what's going on. Or maybe she's like, her breasts are engorged, she's licking and she needs to take a little break to do some breast pumping to save her milk for later. Like, yes, there's things that are not the same sexy than it was before, but it is part of life. That's another important point that we should make for the men. I'm not a woman. I don't have breasts, so I can't speak from experience about this. But every woman that we have talked to or worked with says the exact same thing. So it must be true because they all say it. Basically, what they say is this. After they give birth and, you know, their their breasts swell up tremendously, they're breastfeeding constantly, they feel like their breasts don't belong to them anymore, mm-hmm. that somebody always wants something from them and they're constantly being used. And the last thing that they want is for one more <laughs> person, being you, to use them. So maybe don't focus on that. Let, let those have a rest and focus on other areas of the body. <laughs> <laughs> and then last but not least, also make time for sex. You know, I'm sure you both want to try it or have sex. Some people really only want to have spontaneous sex. And that's the only thing that works for them. What we found that for those who only want spontaneous sex, they have to become okay with quickies, which in the long run are not always the best way to train your body. Uh, But that's what works for some people. There's not one formula, right? So for some, they're like, I'd rather just do spontaneous quickie. Quickie are easy. I can give this to him or to her. Like, it's easy. Spontaneous is great, by the way, but the people that generally rely on spontaneous tend to have less sex. They do. Uh, So making time for it. And then some people talk also about how they've never enjoyed date nights until they had children, like as much as after having children, because then that's the one moment where they get to really connect with their partner without yeah, distractions. Yeah. Well, you know, if you have ice cream every night after dinner, you enjoy it so-so, but if you haven't had ice cream after dinner in six months, you're like, this is the best ice cream I've ever had. Exactly. <laughs> and then you have to make priorities too. Uh, and this is the hardest, I think, for us women, because we always have this to-do list, you know, between go to wash the bottles, do the laundry, clean the house and vacuum this and uh, repaint <laughs> Repaint the house, like that crazy things. But are these things really necessary? You know, what needs to happen right now and what could be happening? And it's okay if it happens in a half hour or tomorrow. Or is there something that your partner could be doing later? Like, could you enlist their help or could you hire somebody to help you to do certain other things or, or have the grandparents, like so many different options, but you have to understand that your to-do list is never going to go somewhere. You're never going to get to a place where it's done because we magically keep adding things to our to-do list. I don't know how that happens. You have to learn to be okay with the fact that things will be left undone. So you can get done. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Yes. Okay. So I think we covered fairly well, you know, what to do about having more sex, wanting sex, getting in the mood, how to make all that happen after childbirth. Okay. So that's a certain segment of the population. But realistically, that's an issue for the first year, maybe year and a half after you have kids. What about all the years after that? 
I would say that the majority of our couple clients do have children. And by the time they're coming to see us, their children are usually, they're past that baby infant stage most of the time, not always, but I would say the majority of the time. So we work with a lot of people who have children and the ages could be anywhere from, you know, four-ish all the way up to 18-ish still living at home, right? This is, this is pretty normal. And we hear a lot of the same things from these people all the time. Like, you know, Celine, you're working with a client right now who says that, you know, um, she's remarried and the kids are with her one week and not the other week. And they've gotten into this sort of habit where they only have sex during the week the kids aren't in the house, right? So these are the types of things that we're going to talk about and, and we're going we're gonna to tell you how to do things better than that because <laughs> you can do things better than that. So the big thing is, is a lot of people say that it's really hard to have sex when the kids are around. Now, you know, depending on the age of the kids, there are different concerns. There are different concerns when they're younger than when they're older. But there's always a way that you can make time for it and you can make it happen. So we've got a list here of five different things that you can do uh, to have more sex, even though that you have kids around. So we just talked about this one, but we're going to talk about it again, which is make time. This is really important. If you have kids, you know how all time-consuming and energy-sucking they are, right? They will literally just take every bit of your time and energy. So the problem that we see with a lot of couples is they say, well, by the time we're done you know, doing all of that stuff, we're exhausted. We're too tired. So the solution to that is you have to... You have to make time. You have to literally put it on a schedule and say, this is the time that we're going to do it. And so there are creative solutions. Um, we know couples who uh, had an RV and they turned this into their love shag. And so they made sure they had a babysitter in the house and they have free kids, by the way. So it's not just one. It's double. Well, it's triple the uh, the energy there, and they would go in that trailer because it's in the RV and it's easy, and they don't have to get a hotel room, and that works. So that was a super. And if you have to get a hotel room, get a hotel room. We have other who got a hotel room. Um, other couples that we've worked with, um, they had two kids, three and five, and they were boys. And the mom often felt like she didn't have time for herself, which led her to not have energy to have sex. So when I worked with them, I was explaining how this all was working for, you know, against her. And so the husband decided that when he got home and he decided to do that every day, he would give her, I forgot if it was a half hour or one hour, that was her me time. Imagine she's got boys and a husband, she's surrounding by, by the, this energy of guys. She needed some time to reconnect with her feminine energy. So it was like, she could do anything, but not any task. So it could be like a bubble bath, it could be reading a book, going on a walk, going to the gym. She had that one hour for herself and it was his gift to her and it allowed her to refill her cup that then she was more present with like for her husband with her children and that was another solution that worked for them so again it's communicating and looking at your unique uh, needs and situation situation to figure out what works Okay, there's a couple of things that, that I really want to talk about here because I've personally experienced these myself and I just see too many people making these mistakes. So 
If your kids are old enough that you can leave them alone, meaning they don't have to be supervised and seen 24-7. So they're old enough now, they can be in the room by themselves, do their own thing. If your kids are in that age range, then you need to set some boundaries and you need to say, mommy and daddy are going to have some alone time. We're going to be up in the room. The door will be locked and you are not allowed to bother us unless there is a real emergency. Somebody gets hurt. The house is on fire. You know, real emergency. And it's okay to lock the door. I had a partner at one time. Um, and I can't remember how old her son was at the point when this was going on, but I'm going to say like five-ish, six-ish, you know. So old enough where he could be playing by himself, you know, in the room next door or something like that. But she absolutely refused to ever lock the door. And this is a big problem because he would just barge right in. He'd just walk right in. He would need something. He wants something, whatever. And he'd just walk right in the room. And I'm like, look, you need to learn how to set boundaries. It's okay to lock the door. He's going to come knock on it anyway, and then you can ask, what do you need? What's going on? That's not important right now. Go back to your room, right? But at least they don't walk in on you because the reality is, is when they're that young, they don't need to know anything about sex. I know there's a big controversy going on right now in the media about when it's appropriate to start teaching kids about sex. My personal opinion is when they're that young, they do not need to know about any of this stuff. It's not like you're intentionally going to hide everything from them. Like if it comes up, that's okay. You can have a parental discussion about it. But otherwise, they don't need to know. So use the damn lock on the door. (laughs) And it's okay to show affection, by the way. You know, a lot of people are like, well, but then they can't see that part. Remember, everything you're doing, you are teaching your children. And so, yes, you don't have to put it in their face, but showing love, prioritizing your partner, uh, demonstrating physical affection are all ways of teaching them what's important by example. So you need to prioritize that. Yeah. So that was point number four, uh, which I just want to reiterate what you said to give it a little bit of emphasis. But Too many parents are afraid of being affectionate in front of their children or or having their children even know that they have to, God forbid, the children know you had sex. How do you think you got here, kid? (laughs) That's how you got here, right? (laughs) So the the point simply being that, that, no, you don't want to be in their face with it. You're not going to be like, you know, having sex with the door open where they could see it or anything like that. You're not going to be talking graphically about it. But it's perfectly okay, you know, after a certain age for them to know that you still have sex. It's okay to touch each other. It's okay to kiss in front of them. What you're actually doing is role modeling a healthy relationship because you as the parents, you are the primary role models. I don't care what anybody else says. I don't care what the media tells you or the schools tell you. You, you as the parent are the primary role model for these kids. And if there's no affection or touching or kissing or signs of love, how are they going to learn that that's what a normal, healthy relationship is? They're not. They're going to get different messages from other places. Maybe they're going to get it from, you know, porn or something like that, which doesn't show the right, you know, stuff most of the time. So so you really have to focus on being a good role model. You know, if they're older and, you know, they understand what sex is at this point, you can say, all right, 
mommy and daddy are going to be, you know, here. We're, we, we will be having sex. You're not allowed to come in. Like, that, that's perfectly okay for them to know that that's happening. They just... Well, that's what was happening with my client. She, her, her son are much older now, like teenagers. And what she was realizing is, number one, that she was using them as an excuse to like not experience the freedom of just being in her sexual energy. And that once she accessed that part within herself and gave herself permission to feel it, she no longer needed the outside excuses for what she was doing to herself. And so then she realized that she could be sexual when the kids were around. And she said, I don't need to tell them anything. Number one, they're old enough. They're already like doing stuff like on their on a computer, a tablet, or so listening to their music, they have the door closed and they play music. And she's like, they know that we go do a nap. They call it, they take a nap, you know, like it just is what it is. Or like you go do like the quality time, like whatever name you want to give it, you know, but what she realized is that it is 100% possible to do it. Cowboy hats on the door, cowboy hats on the door. <laughs> whatever works, whatever works for you. So let's not skip past number three. Yes. So I was going to talk about that. If your kids are not yet able to uh, take care of themselves, then it's important to um, enroll other people, whether it's grandma and grandpa, whether it's auntie, uncle, whether it's a babysitter, uh, but make sure that there's somebody who can spend some quality time with them, especially it's better if it's the grandma and grandpa because they, they create that Arrange connection. play dates with other parents, right? Exactly. Like today you've got the kids for two hours, right? You know, like do stuff like that. The idea is you have to create the space. You have to create the space. And if you can't, if the kids are too young to be left alone on their own and where they need constant supervision, then get somebody else to supervise. And trust me, so, you know, Celine's brother just had a, a baby less than a year ago. Mm-hmm. And they just did a visit to grandma and grandpa where they left the child with grandma and grandpa and they went out on their own for an entire day. And we don't know what they did, but I'm pretty sure that there was some sex going on there. But grandma and grandpa loved it. They had the greatest time ever. We were getting loads of pictures and everything. They loved it. They will enjoy it. Find people that want to do that so that it's a win-win for everybody. Yeah. And, you know, would it be nice to have an entire day with your partner? Yes. But it might not be feasible. Maybe you'll only get two hours. It's still enough. It's about the quality of the interaction. If you can get two hours of undivided attention with your partner because you hired a babysitter and that's all you can do for now, just be present with each other. Don't, don't, don't talk about all the stuff that needs to be taken care of in the household. Focus on what you love and appreciate about each other. Remember what you like about each other. Practice touching each other, finding what feels good on each other and rediscovering each other. And just give each other your full attention just for these two hours. Mm-hmm. You want to talk about the very last thing? I know you wanted to address that for sure. <laughs> what about the noise? What about the noise, right? You know, yes, you will need to keep the noise to a reasonable level, but it's okay. 
if they hear something, it's okay, right? This is again about being a good role model. Now, you know, you might be using a pillow, you might hold yourself back a little bit, you might use some music, um, and for sure when nobody's around, you might be more free. Yes, but please don't stop being who you are and stop showing love because you're afraid that it's going to offend other people. If people go and turn on the TV, they're going to see killing, murdering, violence all the time. And people are okay with that. But one moment of a love sound or a kiss, oh, God forbid, you, they shouldn't see that. It's terrible. And we need to change that. We need to show more of that healthy connecting. Again, it's not about creating a porn sound in your house, but just if there's a laughter, if there's a giggle, if there's a little moan, it's okay. Yeah, exactly. So you, you may not want to scream at the top of your lungs, fuck me harder in the ass, you know, <laughs> like they don't need to hear that. But if they hear a little moaning or a little something here or there, it's okay. And yeah, put some music on, you know, uh, you know, block that hole underneath the door so that the sound doesn't travel out, <laughs> close the windows, whatever. But you know, don't, don't worry too much about the little noises. Absolutely. And physical intimacy builds emotional intimacy. And that's what's needed for couples to uh, thrive over the years. Yeah. You know, here's the thing, like there's nothing wrong with having children. It's a great thing for many people. But it's also one of the most challenging things that any couple does. And it is one of the big things that really puts a wedge in between the two people in the couple. And it really strains the relationship. And so because of that, because it's so hard, you really have to focus on building the intimacy, the emotional intimacy and the physical intimacy. And as Celine just said, physical intimacy does build emotional intimacy. So, you know, I don't see it as like, like some people will look at it and go, well, it would be nice to have sex, you know, even though we're busy and we got the kids and all that, like, sure, that would be cool. It's kind of like, you know, the cherry on the top of the cake. But in my opinion, I see it differently. I think it's essential to the health of your relationship. If both parties in the relationship are going to be happy, are going to feel satisfied and attracted and loved by their partner... You, you have to have at least some level of physical intimacy. And, you know, we're not the only ones that says that. In fact, uh, we just had... Um, Michelle. Michelle, yeah, Drew, Drew in, mm -hmm. uh, on the show. And her book, Out of Touch, talks about this very specifically, that the most successful relationships are the ones that have physical intimacy because it's an important human need. So I know... Ladies, I know that your child is going to become your number one priority, but don't forget about your relationship. You have to nurture it. You have to give it some time and attention. I'm not saying it has to be 50-50 equal, you know, that would be great, but it doesn't, have, you know, whatever you do, just don't neglect it because any relationship that's neglected is going to wither and die. So some of the takeaways from today are really about understanding that it is a natural process. Going through pregnancy and childbirth will affect a woman's hormones, body, and you need to have more compassionate 
um, understanding for what she's going through, stop pressuring her, understanding too that she's probably never going to be the woman she was before. And it's actually a good thing because she's not a mother. Those things have changed. So rediscover her, re-find new things that you love about her, explore new ways. She's probably not going to like the same moves. You might need to find new stuff. Hey, great, improve your sexual skills, do something different, new sexy adventures. Understand that she needs time both in the action of it and sometimes in that healing phase. So maybe, you know, slowing things down while you do have sex, checking in, making sure you have the tools ready like the lube and and, and things to make her Changing feel Changing your expectations of what sex really is or should be or yes. is going to be. And then keep, keep feeding that part of your relationship. And yes, you will go through dry spells. You will go through times where you have amazing sex and then no sex. But as long as you keep the coming back together, this is really what matters. And you adjust as you go through the different phases of life. Keep the communication line open. Be creative and fuck the more you come together, the happier you will be. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everybody, we hope that was helpful. This is a topic we hear about from a lot of people. So, um, you know, if you have any experiences or, or things that worked for you, then go ahead and share them with us. Send us an email. If you're watching this on YouTube, drop it in the comments. Tell other people, how did you deal with this situation? All right, everybody, that's all the time we have for this episode, and we will see you next week. We hope you like this episode of the Love Lab podcast. If you enjoy this show, subscribe, leave us a review, and share it with your friends. And for more free, exclusive content, join us in the Passion Vault at CelineRemy.com forward slash vault. That's C-E-L-I-N-E-R-E-M-Y dot com forward slash vault. Thanks for listening. And remember, you're amazing.